We're all trying to squeeze every last ounce of fun out of the summer before football season really begins. And there's no better way to do that than on a golf course. ABC 27 has the best deal. You can play 15 courses for only $99. Go to abc27.com slash golf card, but be quick. There's only a few left. I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Like my mom and family are poor. I went to the second richest educational institution, second only to Harvard and Milton Hershey School. That's where I grew up. I'm now at Penn State. First one of my friends, you know what the chances of me being here right now in this office, having this conversation with you were way less than 10%. I'll take that 10. I'll take it every day. Nine days until college football begins. Can you believe it, Logan? Not at all. Kind of terrifying. Sorry, your summer is over. Hot boy summer's over. <laughs> what am I going to do? I don't think that was a thing. No, it is. Hot boy summer? Yeah. I thought it was hot girl summer. Well, you, you know, men Did just you make... have to make it all about themselves all the time. So, of course, here we are. That's a different topic <laughs> for a different day. Uh, this is the Sports Extra podcast. We can't talk about anything else other than football, which means, Logan, you basically got through the summer without having to talk about baseball. Uh, uh. A little. I think you're right. Yeah, we barely Best touched. summer ever. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. Um, it's good for both of us because our team is collapsing. Uh, Yeah, they are. We're talking about the Red Sox. Yeah, but they're maybe staying somewhat afloat. But then they're playing easy teams, so who's to say that? I'm curious to see. the la- is the only thing we're going to say about it today. I'm curious to see okay. the last 40 days of the season, 40 games of the season, what happens. Mm-hmm. Can the Phillies make it in? Oof. Not there's there's a lot of people that we talked, a lot of uh, different differentiating opinions uh, here at the station about that, how that will go. Really, Super fans that say they'll be terrible yes. and the ones that believe. It's interesting. Isn't it strange that I feel like the bigger the fan, the less optimism they have? No, it's weird because the ones with optimism, I'm like, okay, you're not a real fan. Yeah, do, have you been watching? What's wrong with you? You've been <laughs> baptized in the wrong water? What's going on? Before we get too far into the episode, be a friend. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Please rate us five stars and leave us a review. All right, back to the episode. Um, I feel like we're going to see the same thing that we're seeing with the Phillies with the Eagles this season. Think so? Are you buying That's in? a scary prospect. I feel like Philadelphia right now, in? you just have to be pessimistic about it. I, mm, it's more if you buy into like the division being as bad as it was last year. I feel like it's less about the team. I feel like it could be just as bad. They should be around 500, though, but I think the fact there's no expectations is probably a good thing. I think it's necessary uh, with Jalen Hurts really getting his first experience mm-hmm. here um i have been cautiously pessimistic is that a thing okay i was gonna say i'm on the other end of the spectrum uh, about be, uh... nick sirianni oh okay that i feel like i got a little bit of flack um from my own family that okay. i was being a little bit too harsh about on him, him? yeah when okay. he first got hired and i was did like did he join you guys at dinner what did though i no, don't understand just, is he a family friend um i was i was practicing a rant you ever do that practicing you know you're like okay i'm gonna need this to be like the initial polished. seeds of a rant yes. yeah i was just trying some things out working some material mm-hmm. and they were like you're kind of being mean i think most takes at their core are well, I think you have to be. Yeah, that's why they're called hot takes. Hot it's takes. not called generous takes. Mean takes. Yes. Nasty takes. Bullying takes. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be a bully. I think, well, that's, you know, very black and white, the sports world, when it comes to to different opinions about things. Fine. And maybe your family just isn't used to the 
They're a lot nicer. They want everybody to have a trophy. It is very true. We're participation trophies, those Barubis. Um, <laughs> no, however, I just, I, I worried a little bit that he just is going to be overwhelmed by the job. Mm. And I kind of feel like the preseason is not a great indication, but just in his press conferences and the, the way he's talking about the team, I don't think he's got it all under control. Mm. I, I think it's tough. I think once you sort of get into the actual season is when you'll be able to tell. Fair. I think he's kind of been the same guy since that initial press conference. Yeah, even changed. just listening back to it. So I don't know. It's tough to to sort of feel it out. There's also been crazier coaches that have gone through the league and like gone to playoffs and stuff. So sometimes you want your take to be right where it's like these things are showing all of the warning signs that we've seen before. And then somehow it just goes against the grain. All the training camp talk since we were at training camp last week, yeah. not not just Ravens, but just in general, is rookie quarterbacks and first-year coaches, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're talking about Robert Sallow. We're talking about Motor City Dan Campbell. Like, I feel like there's so much attention on what are these first-year head coaches going to do, Nick Sirianni being one of them. Also, how do the rookies look? I heard yeah. this week uh, Trevor Lawrence might not even start the first game. Like, they won't come out and call him the starter. You mean the very first week? Yeah, week one. Not this one. No, week one. I see. I think Urban Meyer doesn't know what he's doing. I think you're talking about Sirianni. <laughs> I think no Urban. One. I think Urban Meyer has no clue what he's doing. So that kind of fits of the mold. Do any of the first year coaches know what they're doing? Then? Well, we won't be able to know. But I think the fact that of, of him throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sort of sticks storyline wise is a telltale sign of that. Doesn't it kind of feel like they're like allowing Twitter to pick their team a little bit? scary prospect like a twitter team <laughs> well th well think about it like you know throw yeah, tim tebow out to. there see what the reactions right. like sell some jerseys and then it's like ooh, they don't really like him yeah. and he was terrible let's cut him that's fair at least he gave it a shot though believed in his dreams i think i had a whole thing on this on sunday night so i won't open back into it but i think it's good for him or for everybody for everyone what why about, not what about the people that just bought his jersey Pro I, good, some, good some for them, them too Here's, some of them probably didn't even get it in the mail yet tebow <laughs> patriots jerseys were selling like hotcakes when he was spent two weeks there honestly i feel like if you're a tebow fan at this point you're not a fan of the player like it's not just a mm. player thing you're not like ooh, i love him now because he's gonna play for the jags you're a fan of like the man the myth the legend well, you're a fan of what he's embarking on i agree his so it's, latest thing so him you buying that jersey and supporting that journey isn't contingent on him actually playing but you hope he does you kind of yeah. hope it goes well. Can you imagine? What, like, maybe those are worth something one day on eBay. Everything's the actual worth. jersey itself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, how much down the line are we talking? I don't know. Like, what do you buy it for? 150 100 bucks? What do you uh, buy it If you want the for? ones they were in the games, maybe. Well, he didn't. If you want to go to China and get that for like 20 bucks with no shipping. He didn't. Those well, exist. He didn't play in any games. Yeah, but, but they, the China jersey was, exists. China was definitely manufacturing Tebow jerseys. Oh, heck oh, yeah. Oh, thousand percent. Okay, well, and the number's like off to the side. An authentic like one, I think, will... We'll, be worth $50 more than you paid for it in like 50 years. I guess that's I don't know one if, way of knowing. I don't just know have to if, wait for time to pass. I, I don't know if any jerseys are, do that without being signed or anything like that. Like, Tyler, we don't need your logic in yeah, this conversation. Yeah, get out of here with your, your logic. I just wonder what would have happened if Tebow played in the 90s, you know, where mm. there wasn't social media. Like, this is, these are always my favorite debates because... Or just the style of play. Absolutely. Like, maybe it would have suited him better, but I just feel like... Some of these athletes who put themselves out there and who are open with their platforms and what they mm -hmm. believe in and what they stand for, like, no matter what, people want to rip them on social media. That's true. And so it's like someone who really has always just preached positivity and loving your neighbor and loving, people don't want you that. know, they're like, oh, other people don't want that. that. Guy's they're like, the stop worst. that. Cut that. 
we don't want to be happy. No, no, no. Here. Get out of here with that. No. Stop preaching. Yeah. So no, I, I just, I, I am genuinely curious and we will never have an answer on that, on what he would have been like as a player in the nineties. Cause I just think the hate wouldn't have been there. And I don't know if it really bothers him or I don't think it does at all. I don't think it bothers him at no. all. I don't think he does anything for anyone else. Uh, like, uh, anyone else's approval. I should say. I agree. Which I think is kind of cool. We yeah. should all be like that. Eh, yeah. Yeah. We should all be like that, but here we are. Here this utopian are. society is what we should all do. So I don't know. This, I, I echo what you said last week where you were taught, we, maybe it was privately, we were just talking about we hated kind of the draft leading up to the draft storylines and how that can be kind of exhausting and it's lying season. I believe you called it a couple of times. But I'm hypocritical when it comes to this because I hate that time of year, but I love the preseason. And that's what I was just about to say. Mm -hmm. Like we are in our element now. We can debate. The, the heck well there's more the preseason doesn't reflect everything but there's more of concrete evidence a little bit and not that it's realistic because you have certain guys that go up against the twos and certain guys that go up against the threes and the point of the game and say like for instance uh steve lagore a guy that we work with an all-time all-time guy um massive broncos fan uh we're watching the game that they played against the vikings and they're having this tremendous success and then once it finishes up you go who was playing for the Vikings? <laughs> but a guy who actually knows what it feels like. Fair. And and with relative recency. Is that yeah, that's the right way to say that. Yes. Okay, sorry. You questioning it makes it sound like it's not, but sure. English. <laughs> I know it. Yes. Um, Gary Gilliam grew up in Harrisburg, went on to play football and, and go to school at Milton Hershey. We know the athletes that Milton Hershey has produced over the years. Um, then went on to play for Penn State at a very interesting time in the same time frame that um, a guy like Jordan Hill played from, from 2009 to 13 with all the sanctions and Bill yeah. O'Brien coming in. And, and I just think his college career was so fascinating. And then he went on to play for the Seahawks and 49ers before retiring. And now he's back here in Harrisburg working with a group called The Bridge, um, which is like repurposing abandoned yes. buildings. Making an impact. Oh, gosh. And it's like, okay, so you've done everything in football. You've, you've had this, you know, you've lived out your dream. You made it to the mm -hmm. NFL. And now you come right back here and you're like, they're, they're out there like demoing buildings and building them into like spaces where kids can come and learn and play mm -hmm. and, and be safe and grow. Like yeah. what a beautiful thing that's happening here mm -hmm. in, in central Pennsylvania. And I think there's a lot of these recent NFL players who have retired, finished their football career and they're, they're doing this work. And I think it's so important. It's more, much more important and will weigh more heavy on the future generation than anything they could have done on the field. Which and is, they realize that too, like, especially his, and you'll hear from him, but his sort of impact, he, he's very well aware that, all of these kids are not going to play football. Most they're not going to get yeah. to that level of, of where they do. Whereas, and I, I kind of hope that that is shifting where kids realize that that football isn't the only thing. Sports as a whole is not the only thing. Have those dreams, but realize backup plans are necessary too. So with that in mind, here's our interview with Gary Gilliam. Just before we got on here, we're talking about how many different things you're doing. What is your day-to-day -day like right now? What are you most focused on? Well, first and foremost would be being a father. Um, but most focused on, I'd say would probably be the bridge. You know, that's, that's what, what's got most of my time these days. For people who are unaware of what the bridge is, you guys have been working on this for a number of years. Um, and, and my understanding is kind of repurposing some of those buildings and creating them into better community spaces for kids. But in your mind, what's the mission, uh, behind the, this group and, and how do you feel that's been going so far? 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely amazing. So within the bridge, there's actually um, three different parts of it. There's the, the for-profit real estate development company. Then there's a nonprofit called Empower at the Bridge Foundation. And then we've also got a consulting company called The Branch. Um, so what The Bridge essentially is, as you stated, we are looking to acquire these old buildings, convert them into mixed use developments. We call those mixed use developments eco villages that has a space not just for kids to come, but for the entire community to come to work, eat, live, learn and play. Um, so a little bit more detail work is like co-working spaces, maker spaces, kind of that central hub for entrepreneurs um, that eat branches is really focused in agriculture, um, aeroponics, hydroponics, growing food, and then also obviously restaurants on site. And then live is housing. And that's low income housing, as well as market rate housing, senior housing, veteran housing, like a village in, in all of its form. Um, and then learn is a, a, the educational component. Um, which is actually where our nonprofit really sits is, is teaching the community, not just, you know, will our development company provide these spaces, but then our nonprofit provides the programming within the spaces. Um, so learn to work, learn to eat, learn to live, learn and learn to play. So really like a 15 minute city, like everything you need in one spot, you know, that's, that's really what the bridge is. Got our main campus in Harrisburg and we're working on pre-development things and, and acquisitions across the country. What's amazing to me is you were, were born and raised in this area, went to high school here, went on to play at Penn State, played in the NFL. We'll get into your football career here in a little bit, but you've come back and you've made this a big part of your life, a big mission to give back to these communities and really transform the way a community, community can operate. Why is that so important to you? You didn't have to come back. I always say that, right? Like you've had your success in football. You could have gone on to do a number of things, but you chose to make this your mission and, and something you're focused on right now. Um, why was, was that so important to you? Yeah, I think it's important for, for everyone, you know, honesty, right? I think Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which a lot of us have heard about kind of know, um, the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, unfortunately, is self-actualization. I think you can look around society or even look through history. And I think a lot of people have gotten to that to that point, but there's always something else, right? There's always more, right? You always feel like, I don't know, like you could do something more different. Like, all right, cool. You got the wealth. You made it to the top of, of your mountain. What about other people, right? What about their mountains that they're trying to get up? How can you assist them in that, right? So that, that's what was pulling on me. And not even just, you know, once I made it to the NFL, but just in general, right? Like, I had an opportunity to go to Milton Hershey School and have tremendous amounts of resources, opportunities, a great environment, right, to grow up in, but only so many kids can go to that school. So I was always kind of curious, like, well, where's the rest of those campuses at? And like, where are the other companies' campuses at too? Like, why haven't they built those things, right, to provide these resources and opportunities to these kids, you know, as well? Um, so, I, you know, you get to the point where you just, you know, stop asking questions and, and looking around and wondering why other people aren't doing it. And then you realize, well, why aren't you doing it? Right. Why? Why haven't you taken an opportunity, taken a chance to try and replicate the model, that environment, that town that you grew up in, you know, and and do it in a way that's not just like a football camp. Right. That's how most people, most athletes come back and get back to the community is a football camp. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to be active. And if you have a shot to make it to the NFL or NBA, please, by all means, you know, capitalize on that. But of 300 kids that are going to one of those football camps, 299.9 <laughs> are 
are not going to make it to the NFL, right? Unfortunately. Now that's not to squander their dreams, but you, sir, athlete, with this extreme platform that you have, let's be intentional with when we go home. Like we have lots of eyes on us and, and we can sway a lot of people. So yes, let's promote, you know, the active culture, but, but let's not forget about, you know, financial literacy or, or business or agriculture, right? Some of these other things that the rest of those kids may be interested in and actually have access to becoming professionals. And, you know, I just got to a point where like self-actualization was not the top. It was definitely more about community and kind of generations to come, right? Just kind of thinking forward and then realizing, well, well, a lot of the problems that I'm seeing aren't going to turn out too well. But luckily, I grew up in an environment that actually kind of has a lot of solutions for a lot of these issues in society, which is really rooted in education and the disparities that we have there. So that's why our nonprofit majors in educational things. I'm so fascinated. You and I are not uh, that far apart in age. And, and when we were going through elementary, middle, high school, I think it was kind of this mentality of like, if you want to make it, you got to be famous or, or make it in professional sports or like, that's how you, you make your name. And we're starting to realize like maybe that setting really un, unachievable expectations for kids, no matter how hard they work. Sometimes it is, it's luck, it's size, it's things that you can't really control, but there's so much life other than that. How important do you think it is now that kids in high school, I feel like are getting that education like hey you love football that's great you don't have to make it to the nfl to make it you can shoot video you can write about it you can be a coach do you feel like opportunities for kids have expanded and maybe their education on those opportunities have expanded mm. no i don't actually i think a lot of those things have unfortunately been strategically removed from public schools like William Penn High School in Harrisburg, right? That was a Votech school and it no longer exists. And that was providing great education, certification programs in those trades you mentioned, right? Barbers, you know, salons, carpentry, automotive, right? All those things are extremely important to, to literally building up a community. So I can tell you from a development standpoint, um, looking to be inclusive and in, in who is, is planning, building, executing the plan, to truly be inclusive and have everyone involved is extremely hard because there is a gap that needs a bridge, like literally, like there's a trades gap talent, uh, a talent gap, excuse me. So what do, what do we do? Do we sit there and just complain about not having having the talent? Or do we just do we just look at the fire without without tracking the accelerant, you know, and then, and then what is the root cause here? How do we start to solve that? Why aren't there enough minority developers or minority contractors or minority architects or minority grant writers or appraisal like, oh, this is oh, this is part of the exact system that we're trying to combat here, because all those things actually lead to the demise or not even building of generational wealth for groups of people. And not just black or white, but literally groups of people like the bottom 99 percent is what is really what i'm talking about here did you see this oppression growing up in the city as a kid is this something that you experienced oh yeah uh it's what qualified me to go to to the boarding school i went to um and it wasn't just you know my generation it had been that way for generations before too right so my mom is the youngest of nine kids and they lived in an abandoned row home in harrisburg up on the third floor in one room so no one saw them and you know be a little safer up there siphoning electricity from neighbors having a care excuse me a kerosene heater in the room 
you got to wipe the soot from your nose and stuff before you go out in public and try and go to school and stuff, right? That was the way my mom grew up, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And it was tracking that way for, for me too, right? You know, mom and I weren't in the best situation. Harrisburg, I mean, to this day, is still not in the greatest situation. It wasn't that way when I was younger, nor when mom was younger, right? So you definitely, yeah, it wasn't just seeing it, it was experiencing it. And then going to, you know, the boarding school that I went to, it was, those were the only kids that were allowed to go there were for families below the poverty line, orphans, foster kids, like kids coming from some pretty bad situation, unstable backgrounds. We were all together in a school, lived together, right? So you heard the stories, you saw the pain, you saw, you know, how it was cope with or not cope with, what the fruition of it was, you know, how those kids could use that energy for positive things or could also make you implode, right? That trauma is serious. But I'm a solution-oriented individual, and so was Milton Hershey, you know, and, and he created a town and a school that is doing tremendous things to this day. And uh, I was always just curious, why don't they have more of them? So you get it, like you're a revolutionary, you got it. You did it back in 1909. You know, and it's helping me. It's saving my life. It's going to help my family. And it has. And it gave me an opportunity to go you know, to college. First person to ever go to college in my family, let alone graduate. So it just provided that platform. And I think Milton Hershey really embodied this quote here, right? That talent is evenly distributed, but resources and opportunity are not. And then growing up and, and leaving the, that campus and going on to college and into the real world, you start to see like that foundation, those values, the morals that were established there, like the way of thinking, the concepts, aside from obviously just the education, you know, a lot of those things played a significant role in the way that not just myself, but all the graduates come who they are, which is why they're all founders of the bridge too. They get it, they lived in it, and then they saw the solution. Right. All right. So if we can replicate this thing or bring pieces of it, you know, back to our hometown, we can make we can just change one life. One. Could you imagine you change one life and that one life then changes millions? I think it's beautiful that what Milton Hershey built 100 years ago is, is kind of the impetus for what you're going to build here over the course of your life. And I think that's really beautiful that you didn't just take an opportunity and make your life and your family lives better, but you're trying to change a whole community based on that model. I think, I think that's really, really beautiful. If I can be honest. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think, I think everybody, you know, in, in a inward kind of way is pulled toward that, but there are things in, in the way other needs that, that take priority over that. Like as much as I would love to go and talk to, you know, in the hood and talk about the importance of composting and solar panels and water collection. You know, my man is worried about having electricity, you know, heat and food and paying the rent, right? There are some basic needs that need to be taken care of. And then moreover, like before we can get to the, the sustainability stuff, like there are cultural things going on, traumas that need to be, you know, taken care of, love and belonging, like the, the home, you know, is, is single parent homes are an issue. Why, you know, why are there so many single parent homes? You know, incarceration rates are, are extreme. The disparities between those are, are crazy, right? So there are studies out there that show that a kid that has a two-parent home is way more likely to be successful in the future, right? Well, if we're looking into these underserved, most specifically Black communities and, and the rate of single-parent homes, where, where's, where's mom? Where's dad? You know, a lot of cases they're locked up, which what they're locked up for, for the most cases, is actually legal across a lot of the United States right now, which is bizarre, you know, or... Another correlation to incarceration rates, right? How all these issues are linked together is actually your graduation rate and your, your ability to read 
and do math. Actually, if you're literate, that lowers your, like tremendously lowers your quote unquote chances of being incarcerated, right? So like, again, the issues are linked. So the solutions also have to be linked. And it's not like, you know, let's just build a medical clinic or build a homeless shelter. Like, no, we gotta, like, there's a cultural thing that has to go on here, right? It's not just gonna be, all right, once this thing is built, it's done. Like, no, there's got there's gotta be like a, this is the tree and you gotta get the water and the nutrients out, you know? <laughs> I think about what you said a little while ago, being the first of your family and um, to be the first to go to college, that must have been a, a really transformative experience for you. But was it also a ton of pressure, you know, especially at the time you went to Penn State and everything that was going on on that campus and you're trying to play football and trying to get a degree and you're also the first to go to college. So you don't have a whole lot of family uh, resources or perspective on how to get through that. What was that time like for you at Penn State? Yeah. Um man penn state was a a few mountains uh, to us <laughs> to say the least but um but yeah no uh not only was you know i was the first one to go to college right in my family but let's look at it even from like a milton hershey perspective because like i mean that that in of itself is a, is a whole experience right to kind of set set up success in, in penn state or at penn state but um it, it, it still smacked your boy in the face you know, like they had this thing at Milton Hershey called the whole man concept, right? There was a whole woman kind of the whole person concept, but our basketball coach really, really hit it hard. And he's like, look, not only do I expect you guys to be great basketball players, right? But I expect you to also be great football players and great track athletes or whatever sport it is you decide to play outside of this season. I expect you to be a three sport athlete. And as a top athlete, we expect you to be a top scholar. And we're not just striving for C's and B's. Like if you, if you want you getting straight A's, like that's, significantly different than a public school, right? Like if you're a top athlete, they're like, nah, go ahead, whatever, you know, <laughs> who cares about math and, you know, whatever, no, 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 no. Like now you have a magnifying glass on you. Then there was, you know, take you're taking care of your spiritual wellness, right? You're, you're involved in, in the spiritual programs at the school, right? So myself, I was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, and then the other, the fourth and final was, was your, your community engagement, right? Are, are you going, like if you are a senior, junior, sophomore, high school, are you going back and talking to the younger kids that are going through what you're going through? Right? Like I went to that school at eight years old and I, I was dropped off and my mom left. Like she didn't tell me that I was living at that school. She didn't tell me she was not coming back that day. Like it was rough, hard, impossible. So like that moment, you know, in college was different. You know, that college for most people, that's their first time kind of separating from mom and the fam. Nah, I've been gone for 10 years. <laughs> I'm good, right? And the school, you know, we did chores all the time. So like I knew how to wash my own clothes and cook my own food, right? You get into college and people don't know how to wash their clothes. I'm like, yeah, what is going What? And so, you know, it definitely prepared me for college. So some of the, you know, nuanced things that you don't necessarily think about, that transition was 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 great. And then even on the academic side, right? Like, again, that whole man concept, that environment, that culture, if you will, at, at the school I went to was what I was used to. Like, you're not just here to play football, sir. <laughs> we are here to get our degrees. That's called the great or grand, I forget which one he called it, the grand experiment at Penn State. Like, not only are we going to tear you up on the football field and be a top 25 school yearly, but we're also gonna have one of the highest graduation rates. And we have academic All-Americans and academic All-Big Ten players, right? That's, again, the standard. Well, I, I like that. That's, that. That matches the whole man concept, right? Top athlete, top scholar. And then Joe Paterno was the embodiment of, of community you know, give back. Like, I mean, he's got a whole library based in education, right? So if you kind of see a trend in my life, there are certain things that were just consistent, like, all right. I like it. So 
anyway, so Penn State, uh, while at Penn State, I actually triple majored um, in business development, advertising, and psychology. Um, I mean, shoot, I had a full scholarship. And I was like, y'all paying for this? Oh, well, I'm definitely getting it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But no, I, I had some extra time actually for about half my college career because I had a, a really bad injury. It was my red shirt freshman year. Um, I tore my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus, part of my patella. Um, and then I had three bone bruises because the way my leg hyperextended. Um, and that was supposed to just be two surgeries. <clears throat> so I was, gonna be out, I was gonna be out of football for a bit anyway. Now, in between these two surgeries, I developed a staph infection in my bone marrow. Right, so now not only that injury in and of itself is going to put your career at risk. Now my life is at risk, right? So anyway, long story short, I ended up having five surgeries, five altogether. Two were to repair the, the, the ligaments and things, and then three were just for the infection. Like they had to go into my body three times, like in, not a scope, but cut all the way open and try and start clearing that stuff out. Had a pick line in, was taking crazy painkillers just so I could sleep and be able to try and get up and, and go to rehab and forget going to class. I wasn't going to class. It wasn't happening. And, and you want to talk about not feeling like a whole man, like I'm not playing football. I'm not going to class. Definitely not contributing back to my community. And, and you want to talk about spiritual wellness? I want to quit. I don't want to, I don't even want to play football anymore. I don't want to do this. Like why football is what did this to me. Why? Like I've been a great man doing what I needed to do. Like, I don't, why is this happening to me? And all the while, as you stated, right, that was also while we were going through all the BS with, with Joe Paterno getting fired and, and them trying to destroy our football program, right? That was literally the year that I was coming back after being out for two years. So now my, my coach is fired. I've been out for two years and new coach is coming in. <laughs> um, I don't have any tape. I, and I was a redshirt freshman when I got hurt. I maybe got, you know, four or five games under my belt, some film from years ago. And, and lo and behold, the guy that's coming in, he's like uh, an offensive genius from the NFL, right? From the Patriots, Bill O'Brien. And, and, and you know which position is highlighted a ton in his offense is the tight end. And that's my position. And I was the starting tight end before I got hurt. And I'm hoping to get that back. But they didn't recruit me. They don't see if I can play. There's dudes that are great, like Jesse James and Kyle Carter and Adam Brenneman. Like, these are the dudes that are behind me, right? Like, yeah, good luck, G. <laughs> right? So it was tough. Like, it was a lot, a lot going on, to, to say the least. Um, I ended up, I did earn my starting spot back. So, like, as hard as, as hard as Penn State was or any of these other things, like, in my life, I've always looked at them as, as opportunities of growth. Every single day, you have a choice, right? You either get better or you get worse, you don't stay the same because we are ever changing. So if you have that choice, like, please, by all means, choose to get better, even if it's just 0.01%, right? If you have the ability to walk, talk, breathe on your own, right? I know what some of that's like to be taken away. Don't take it for granted. To be at that place, to make it all the way back to being a starting tight end for Penn State after all the coaching drama, after all of the transition, and then go undrafted, but still make it to the NFL. Like, how do you look at that progression? Is it is it miraculous to you? Was it just the the pure hard work that made that happen? Like, how do you look at that success? <laughs> yeah, yeah, shoot. I went to Penn State for, for three reasons. Um, one, it was fairly close to home. I had lived now at a boarding school for 10 years. I want a chance to, if I want to go home, go home. And if Bam wants to come up and see me play, they can. 
to, you know, my university has to be fairly close to home one. Two, my degree needs to mean something. You know, like I can't be going to, you know, Ohio State where they're saying they're coming here to just play football and, and probably getting pushed through their, their education and probably not going to graduate, right? So the, the degrees doesn't mean anything because they don't have one. And even if they do, their employers are probably assuming because they were an athlete that they were kind of <laughs> push, 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 push through, right? So I like I, that shade to Ohio State. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> buck, buck the, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but that was the third one. That was the third requirement. I needed to go to a, a team that was like a football, good football team. Like if I'm going to commit all this time and, and body <laughs> to this thing, this game, you gotta make it to you might make it to the top. You gotta make it to be a professional athlete. With that being said, right, once I got back, uh, earned my starting spot back after being out for a few years, coaching switch. Um, I was thinking ahead. I actually had, I think at that point, I had two more years to play. I got an extra year because of my injury. Um, I didn't use it, Heinz, you know, I didn't use it. So I'll just put that out there now. But I knew that in order for me to really make it to the NFL, something had to change. You know, like I, I got my starting spot back, you know what I'm saying? Like I felt good and all, but like I wasn't as fast. So I'm sitting there thinking I'm doing research on the league. You know, the most often drafted positions are, are tight ends, but some of the highest paid positions are like offensive tackles. Huh. Well, I'm a blocking tight end, so I might as well gain some weight and just become a tackle because that's what I'm doing anyway. I was like, yo, coach, can I be a tackle? And he was like, what? It's like, no, you're you're our starting wide tight end. You're not, no, <laughs> you're not being a tackle. I was like, no, no, coach, bro, let, let, let hear me out. Great players behind me. And I think I can contribute on the offensive line. Like, I think I can, I can, I can, I can compete there, coach. Let me compete. Like, coaches love to hear you say, I want to compete. Like, let me compete, coach. Let me, yeah. <laughs> so I, I sat there for about an hour, like, trying to, you know, convince them. We're moving around the depth chart, showing them things. I'm like, like, coach, I'm like 265, 270s. I got to eat like real chicken every day. Like, my body's like, let me. Ugh. So he was like, I remember he sit back, he sat back. Yeah, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. He's like, wait, 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 wait. I gotta talk to the coaches first. <laughs> and I earned a starting spot in about three weeks at that spot and then ended up rotating with the guy there that was a, an actual senior. So they wanted to make sure he got filmed because they thought that I was just, you know, gonna be a junior, be able to come back the next year and then, you know, do what I had to do. But I, I got my degrees. Yeah, you know I mean, let me take my shot at the NFL. Why not? Right. If it works, it works. If not, then I'll go in the business world. So I did. I took my shot. I, I fumbled around with the decision of whether I was going to declare or not and, and fumbled around so much that I actually didn't get invited to the combine. <laughs> uh, you know, just got to make life harder. It's fine. Um, you know, classic Gary. You got three months of film, if that. Like, you, you, you just switched positions, a big boy position yep. in a big boy league. Like, yeah, all right, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> My doctor, I'll go back a little bit. Once I had come back from that injury, I remember him calling me into his office, right? He's like, it's just, you know, it's bad. Like, you know, meniscus not looking so hot still. You know, we can't really do much about that. You know, your MCE is there. It's solid. Your ACL is there. It's solid. You know, this, this scar tissue is just, you know, it'd be really painful. And and honestly, it'd be, in my opinion, pretty tough for you to, to continue to play football at a high level again. You've seen these things before. Like, give me give me a percent. Like, of the players you've seen kind of get through something like this and and, and make it. Like, I'm just curious. What what what? what percent chances of, of he's like well we don't we don't do stuff like that you know doctors don't do it but but you know you're like a son to me so i'll be honest with you he's like i, I maybe a 10 percent chance and i actually perked up 
I was like, 10%? I was like, Doc, I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Like, my mom and family are poor. I went to the second richest educational institution, second only to Harvard and Milton Hershey School. That's where I grew up. I'm now at Penn State. First one of my friends, you know what the chances of me being here right now in this office, having this conversation with you were way less than 10%. I'll take that 10. I'll take it every day, right? So I took it, put my head down, grinded it out. And I'm telling you, it was an excruciating pain, like complications still coming up. It was a long two years of recovery. In order to be extraordinary, I do a little extra. That's the difference between ordinary and extraordinary, literally is, is extra, that's how you spell it extraordinary extraordinary <laughs> so you got a little extra and and luckily um when when all those sanctions and, and things were going on at penn state i was actually the first player to come out i tweeted it this is before the sanctions come out i i think it was maybe a day or two before i said you know no matter what happens i'm staying at penn state right no matter what happens like, you know they have the death penalty sanction you know or, or scholarships i don't care like whatever i'm staying here and somebody tweeted back at me, oh, well, that's unfortunate. You know, what are you gonna do when there's no football program? And I responded back to him and I was like, well, sir, um, I'll be getting my multiple degrees because I don't major in football. And it went viral, right? Got tons of fans, you know, all that fun stuff, right? So the reason I say this, because one of those fans um, was a nutritionist um, and she, you know, we were in communication. She was like, hey, if there's ever any nutritional needs, you know, that you have, please let me know. And I was like, hey, look, Yes. She was like, I, I want to just put you through a three week uh, liver detox. So three weeks I went out there. Right. Three weeks. And in three weeks, I lost 19 pounds of fat and gained 21 pounds of muscle. Oh, my gosh. Only opportunity I had now to showcase for the NFL was my pro day. Also, luckily, Alan Robinson was in my draft class. Right. And, and Alan drew a lot of attention, as he should. And every single NFL scout was was there, obviously, not just for Alan Penn State and of itself has got great football players. But Alan specifically that year, they were like everyone was there. But you can't just go to watch Alan. Like if you come in there to watch Alan, you also got to watch Gary. Right. Or like, who the hell is Gary? Like, <laughs> who is that? Wait, he's supposed to be a junior. And he's a, he's a tackle. Like, he's moving kind of fast. But wait, he's moving really fast. You're, oh, wait. So I, I ended up putting up some of the, the top numbers, like literally one, two or three in all athletic and all athletic drills across the country at my position. And at that point, you know, teams would come in and do one on one workouts after the pro day. They like, you know, a little bit of what they saw. They want to see a little bit more then they'll come back in. And one of those teams was Seattle. And they came in and this is actually this is this ends up being very significant in the future of where and how I played in the NFL from this workout. As I'm doing it, like I remember specifically one drill, I was going between these two cones and I had to juggle tennis balls and answer questions like, what's your mom's middle name? What kind of car do you have? What color is it? What year was it made? Like, you know, coach was like, look, I want to make sure not only that you can like, you know, move, I want to make sure you can think while you're tired. Right. And I'm like, I'm with this. Like, this is like smart athletes. That's I, I, I went, yes. That's I your like whole you. career. <laughs> yes, I, I tore that up, right? I, da, 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 da. And they, you know, they, we like, you you know, but kind of say what every other team said, you know, just you don't have much experience. You do have the intangibles and we think you could be a really good player. I'm like, all right, well, let's see what's up with the draft then. 
you know, so so the draft comes. A couple of the top 10 picks, I believe, were offensive tackles that year. So I'm, I'm looking at their numbers, right, their 40s and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm better than y'all. Like, shoot, where my phone at? I'm about to – I should be getting a call here shortly. You know what I'm saying? Like, anyway, first round goes by. Second round goes by. Third round. Fourth round. Fifth round. Sixth round. Seventh round. I get a phone call. I get a lot of phone calls. Phone calls are coming from teams who don't have picks. They're done. They're like, hey, uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't pick you up, but we, we love you. Got you got what it takes. Uh, we just want to get a look at you. So, you know, you're one of our top, you know, priority free agents. If you'd like to come in for our rookie minicamp, we'd love to have you. And I, I'm like, well, bro, don't the draft is still going on. What are you calling me? For? Bro, don't call me. <laughs> like, I'm about to get drafted. Right. But I had this in my mind because it's peep this, right? The very last pick of that draft was by the Houston Texans, who has my head coach, mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien. So I'm like, yo, Billy O, you got me, right? He was, oh, you got me. Yeah, no, nah, he didn't draft me at all. He didn't draft me at all. He just came and went, and I did not get drafted. <laughs> um, but I, I had some hope now. To, down to the wire, I thought it was going to happen. And then Bill O'Brien was like, man. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Gary. <laughs> nice try, Buckaroo. I saw that knee injury. And yeah, I saw what came of that. But now I get to choose where I want to go, which is dope. Because literally every team called me like, hey, we want you to come in. Same script. Literally, I think they all read from the same thing. Now it's kind of like almost kind of like being in college in a way. Like I got I got some standards now, though. Right. All right. But mom wanted me to be close to home. And I'm like, look, mom, like, I got to go make this money now. I got I've been home now for, for 18 years. She's like, just don't go to Washington. She's like, there's, they got lots of serial killers out there. <laughs> and it rains all the time. And I was like, like random. All right. <laughs> a lot of teams are like, look, you come here, you, you have an opportunity to start. Like you, you had, you know, and I, and I, I didn't want that actually. I just switched positions. Like I'm not, no, 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 no. I'm not going to need to go out there and get tore up by Justin Houston. I think I got to go somewhere where I can learn a little bit. I wanted a chance to, to, to win the Super Bowl. Oh, and then number three goes back to that that workout that came. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to have the culture. Are the players similar to me? Or are these like a bunch of first-round draft picks, like, you know, in Cleveland or something? Or, like, is this a team of undrafted guys that are kind of gritty, got it out the mud? You know what I'm saying? They got, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm, I can vibe with them. I like that. And this organization cares about intelligence. Seattle, I'll go there, right? They, they just won the Super Bowl. They got all pros and just drafted players at my position. And I think their organizational chemistry and culture is, is pretty dope, right? Pete Carroll had a great one down in USC too. So he gets it, right? This is all right, cool. I like this environment. Fly out there and we have our, our rookie mini camp, right? And I definitely should have got cut. Like I I remember looking back at that film, watching it, you know, horrible. Like I look like Bambi falling over myself. Like not like I don't think I blocked one person all day, like looking like a revolving door, falling all over the place, like. I don't know what those coaches saw to let me come back the next day, but they did. And, and I remember what my high school coaches always told me. Remember the, the every day you have a choice to get better. I suck. So I'm at the bottom. So let me just pick one thing every day and work on it. Cause I was taught, you just put your head down and grind it out. And when you pick your head up and turn around, hopefully you've done some great things, but let's focus on the task at hand. Focus on the task at hand, right? That's a big elephant you're, you're approaching and you can only eat an elephant one bite at a time. Not that you should be eating elephants, but <laughs> it's a good metaphor. You get the point, right? So 
that's what I did. I just put my head down and grind it out and, and tried to, to get a little bit better every day. And I think they liked that. Young Gary from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the prodigal son of Harrisburg because he went to Milton Hershey, that does not churn out NFL players, is not a big school, is not a big name, earned a scholarship to go play football at Penn State, missed half his college career, switched positions the last year in the NFL, goes undrafted to the team that just won the Super Bowl, has not a chance in hell to make that team, but that's where he's at. And lo and behold, young G made the team against all odds, against, you know, mom not thinking I would, family not thinking I would, myself sometimes, like, it, it worked out. But, but but did you just get this far to get this far, though? You know, did you just get this far to get this far? Bro, you're a bench warmer, but we made it to the NFL. You do not make anything easy on yourself. And it's always a whole man approach. Like, you will never do anything just because it's the best decision for your, your athletic career or for your business career. Like, everything has to be holistic. And I think that's incredible. When you think about what you did in the NFL, making that team and then, and then sticking. It wasn't, I made it and now I'm a journeyman. I'm going to 10 different teams. Like you stuck there for a few years. What did you take away from that time of your life? Another reason why I went to Seattle was because Jordan was there. So Jordan Hill from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, we played against each other. As soon as I got into Seattle, Jordan scoops me up and takes me around to, you know, Cary Park, Alki Beach, like all of the stadium, you know, just like, Takes take your boy under his wing. Like, you know, I got you, bro. I know what it's like to be out here alone. I got you. And it, and it meant a lot. You know what I'm saying? So it gave me kind of that, all right, let me let me focus on, on football. You know, I'm good. I got my guy here. If I, if I need anything, got any questions, like I'm not completely alone. You know, so Jordan played a huge role in that. And whether he knows it or not, you know, in that peace of mind so I could focus on trying to play football. So I was a backup, backup offensive tackle, which made me the big tight end was perfect like yeah i'm used to going in motion and blocking these angles and you know run my little routes i'm with that yeah that was my role i was a big tight end short yardage plays that come in goal line plays that come in that's what i did all season and then we we did we made it back back to the playoffs and we got back to the the nfc championship game and we were getting blown out versus the packers it was i think 16 nothing late in the third quarter so i'm standing there and we get down you know, to, to field goal range. So, you know, they're calling field goal, field goal, field goal. So I'm standing there. And then Coach Carroll turns around. He's like, Gil, you ready? I was like, wait, field goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. What? <laughs> so this is what Charlie Brown is. If you can't tell, I'm a storyteller. <laughs> I like it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Charlie Brown, right? Uh, so Charlie Brown is, is, a, is a fake is a fake field goal. So now we're in the game before the Super Bowl and the play has a chance to go to me. Some, you know, some rookie, you know, backup offensive line. But they're not calling. I'm not calling Charlie Brown. Like, chill out. So I was it wasn't. And to make matters worse. Right. The day before the game, that we ran the play. I ran the wrong route, like halfway through it, realized it. Threw me the ball and I dropped the ball. I'm like, oh, they're definitely not calling so again back back to the moment come out coach calls charlie brown we line up we're on the right we're on the right hash on that right hash mark so it's keyed to go my way the guy's right in front of me it's a go now we just gotta see how this linebacker plays snap the ball dude zips in like bat out of hell trying to go block the pass so it works perfectly john goes out so i'm running i know right back to my tight end days if you can control the defender especially at the stem point, then you can win. 
So I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. I did this my whole life. So I'm like, hey, you gonna make you gonna make eye contact with me, linebacker. So I'm like running right at him. So he looks at me. He looks at me. I got you know big seventy nine. Right, this dude trying to block me. I can I can see the guy running. That man. So he takes off. That was the third thing that needed to happen. So that means when I turn around, the ball should be up in the air, right? So anyway, I, I peek and I see John still kind of like, <laughs> like John, throw the ball, bro. So he finally throws it, and it's like slow motion. <laughs> and, and our coach would always say, exaggerate, exa- exaggerate possession in high school, right? Look it in, tuck it away every single time. I don't care if it's a little five-yard pass. You look it all the way in and tuck it. So I was like, bet. That's you know what I mean. Look at it, tuck it away. <laughs> and so I did. I caught the ball, scored the touchdown, which was amazing, right? But if you're gonna score a touchdown, especially as an offensive lineman, like you, you, you gotta have a dance. Like you gotta, but I was like less of a dancer and more of like a cerebral guy. Like I want to like shoot a dagger at the other team. Like example, like if we were playing, like when we were playing the Panthers, you know, if I if I would have scored my touchdown, I would have did Cam Newton's little. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like we're playing the Packers though, and Aaron Rodgers. He got his little, you know, he said his little, his little, <laughs> little discount double check. No, you oh. did not. <laughs> Gary. Or the touchdown, hit him with the discount double check. Ah. <laughs> the crowd went crazy. Savage. But what's wild is, is un, unplanned. John Ryan, right? The, the Lucy of the play, the one that threw the ball. He, he used to play for the Packers and was cut from them. Turns to their sideline. Oh, no, no. Also hits them with the discount double check. <laughs> it was wild. It was the greatest thing ever, right? But you're still down 16 to 6. Like, it got like, all right, you scored a touchdown, but did y'all win the game? You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking like, all right, this touchdown is cool and all, but like, if you don't win the game, I don't want to talk about this <laughs> touchdown. I don't want to. Why would I? You know what I'm saying? I don't want to talk about that. And it is a, a slim chance that we're going to win. But we'll be always the Seahawks, boy. We tell you, we're going to bang. We're not going to break. And we just need a blade of grass. Literally, just give us one blade of grass. <laughs> we're going to defend it and or we're going to score over it. That's what our, that's what, that's the mentality. Not only is that rare, right, an offensive lineman to score a touchdown and a fake field goal, right, that's rare in of itself. Then we had two-point conversion at some point in the game. We had an onside kick recovery when literally the entire world knew we were kicking an onside kick. Yep. Recovered it. Had multiple third and fourth and long conversions with runs. Even after all that, my man Aaron Rodgers still was diamonding up <laughs> overtime. We need to get the ball. Like, Aaron, you don't give it to Aaron Rodgers because it's sudden death. He's going to go score. And, and our defense is not stopping him today and just didn't stop him. So we got to win this toss. Seahawks win the toss. Oh, we're going to get the ball. We're going to go score. So we get the ball going in. Cobra. Man, Rush sets back. <clears throat> Boom, bombs it up to Jermaine of all people, right? Bro, Russ, you been, you still going? I remember we were taught, but we hold fast. We lock in. We have trust. We, we love each other. We, this is coming back to you, bro. Bombs it to him, right? Defender, drapes all over him. Like, I'm talking all over him. My man, Jermaine, ah, catches the ball. Touchdown, Seahawks going back to the Super Bowl. What? I remember Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett coming up to me right after the game, like, Gary, you understand how significant your play was? Changed like, everything. You'll go down in history for that play. And I, in the moment, I was like, I don't know. 
We're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we did. We did. Right. Uh, and I think what happened at the Super Bowl low key makes this game even more significant because mm. we lost. We lost Super Bowl. That was the one where we went to the one yard line and, and decided to get fancy and not call Jumbo <laughs> and throw the ball and, and got picked which we all knew was happening because I was ready to go in and didn't. Oh, so you and weren't on the field for that no. for that interception against I'll, the Patriots. Well, the, yeah, they should have had me on the field. I would have probably drew the attention of the defense. Oh, check fake. Watch that guy. Just, bro, let's let me run a corner. You'll pull probably three safeties over there. <laughs> that, yeah, anyway, that was my first year with the Seahawks. And uh, then I ended up earning a starting spot after that, and I was locked in there for a bit. And then earned a few more contracts uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. <clears throat> and then that's where I played as of late. You know, not many fun stories in, in the NFL aside from, from that first one. <laughs> that's the payoff right there, right? Like that moment, you made it. You scored a touchdown as an offensive tackle. Like it really doesn't get better than that. It's a good time. Very grateful for those moments in the NFL. Um, and then also in San Fran, right? But check this, this is how we're going to wrap it back to the bridge from, from lived experiences, not just in the, in the points of pain that we've identified, but also in solutions that can help those like Milton Hershey school and, and the grand experiment and athletes who can utilize their platform and social capital to bring people together and, and not just reinforce, you know, this cultural indoctrination that a young black boy can only feed his family if he plays sports He's a rapper or he sells drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's unfortunate. And I think athletes reinforce that by coming home and just holding football camp. Right. So if we can use our platforms, our social capital, uh, our influence in a, in a more positive, substantial, sustainable way. Uh, the bridge is that model, you know, um, and <laughs> athletes have been reaching out, you know, kind of, kind of to your point of, you know, especially local athletes, obviously, you know, Jordan, who we've been together for a while, you know, Noah Spence, Micah reached out to us, like, you know, they get it, you know, you get it. Yes. hundred percent. Harrisburg's not that big. So let's, let's showcase what goes on when we all work together and then let's do it in other cities, bring together other athletes in their towns who also need this exact thing, right? Cause Milton Hershey school can't create more campuses in other places yet. That doesn't mean we can't take that model, bring together the, the public-private partnerships, use our influence in a positive way, right? That's what we can do. And then you can hold your football camp there. <laughs> I expected nothing less than for you to take us full circle all the way back. That was <laughs> impressive. Uh, and we, we so thank you for the time and, and thank you for the perspective. I feel like hopefully this is one of uh, many conversations we get to have with you. Yeah, absolutely. Want more of these interviews? We've talked to Cowboys first-round draft pick Michael Parsons, NFL Network's Kim Jones, and Hershey Bears head coach Spencer Carberry. You can watch our full episodes on our website, abc27.com, click on Sports, and then The Sports Extra Podcast, or listen wherever you find podcasts. No, he's an interesting guy to talk to because he, you know, he's, he's friends with a lot of guys mm. in the league who, similar, we're talking about making impacts, but actually try to go beyond the field of play. Like football, while they were professional athletes, is very much lower on their scale of yeah. where the world's you know, problems are. Um, and I think the fact that he's like, you know, we were talking about just his age and the fact that he is even more wise than what he's come across experiences way more than age in this case. I agree. I think it's also this area is so interesting to me because the professional athletes that I've met from here are pretty unilaterally focused on giving back in this area. Mm -hmm. And I, I really don't think you find that everywhere. Like you have stars like LaShawn McCoy, who's back here 
every couple of months doing camps or mm -hmm. vaccine clinics or, you know, whatever the case may be. You have Michael Parsons who like gets drafted, comes back and immediately has an event for kids yeah. like 48 hours after he just goes in the first round. You, you know, Jordan Hill, who's built multiple charities in the area supporting youth sports and kids. And I just think that I don't know, and maybe this is naive of me, but I don't know how many communities inspire this much um, positivity or like wanting to give back or desire to, mm -hmm. to remain relevant in the community to shed light on what else other well, than Well, I also sport. think that those same players realize the need for it here. Mm -hmm. And while you're talking about the positivity, a lot of guys have emphasized that there are some bad parts. Yeah. And, the, and that's a lot of what we talked with with Micah and just sort of him, not just as a whole making it, but hopefully having yeah. a very long NFL career because then it's somebody that these kids can, can look up to as a result of making it out. And that was along the lines of the first conversation I had with Gary is how important is it that these guys can not just see somebody to look up to on a football sense, but just as a community sense. Um, and I think that when you have both of those things, and this might sound like cliche to say it, but a lot of these kids sometimes don't take some random adult seriously that says right. it whereas if they have somebody who's had professional sports success they would and it's just kind of the way it is it gives it validity um and i think gary's one of those guys isn't it so funny like i don't know you probably got advice from your parents you know growing up or whatever and you're like that doesn't hold true i think that's any advice though and then you get it like a celebrity says it and you're like oh okay <laughs> yeah no. i like that yeah no. you know it's all the source that it comes from and the timing really of it is. all as well and i think it's it's something where for all these guys we just talked about all of their teammates except for them didn't make it mm -hmm. you know what i mean like didn't mm -hmm. maybe half of them didn't go to college for sports the people that did all various levels like they were the only ones from their schools in those years that made it to the nfl mm -hmm. so they realize that it's so rare and i think they don't want these kids to fail at that dream which 99.9 percent .9 of people do and then give up on everything because that's the first quarter of your life right totally and harrisburg has that need for these places that are being built and everything you know it's not not everything is always rosy and like mm. painted in, the, in that sort of light. I think the guys realize the demand for it and that's why they're making it a point to and there's some go out big, of their way. Big real estate sitting out there, you know, mm -hmm. lots of buildings to be repurposed. So I think what they're doing is awesome. Um, we appreciate the conversation with Gary. Um, and I just love, okay, he is talking about things bigger than football, but you, you, you still feel that itch, you know, whenever you talk to these guys. Well, about, it's their background. It's their, you know, what defined at least for a period of time in their lives. So it'll, it'll always come back to that in some way or, you know, form while you try to get it to be a different focus as you go along, but it'll always be part of you. Do you feel it though? Football season. Oh, I was going to say within me. You Just football season. Yeah, I feel it. I feel like. That's why I love the preseason. It gets that first sort of itch going. All of a sudden though, Logan. You try to make that like a motivational speech there. That was interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel Do it? Do you feel it? Like kind of, but when you phrase it like that, not as air. not not as much anymore coming from you. But no, yeah. Ouch! I'm not inspirational. <laughs> no, I just the other day I woke up and I I was talking to people in the office and they were like, oh yeah, like what Friday night football, high school football right. is back in like a month, and I was like, yeah, nope, it's next week. Mm -hmm. Like that snuck up on me. I think a lot of it does. Still not. I think the summer's kind of over. Ew. Like you brought it up. Sorry. I know. Everyone, tough to swallow not a good consolation prize in football though absolutely i feel like football season flies for me there's non-stop action we talked about that a couple weeks ago just how the weeks are made up and how you cannot go 10 minutes without 
finding a storyline, seeing mm -hmm. a practice, seeing a game. And I love that about it. I think you were alluding to it at the beginning of the episode. I feel like we're finally getting a real sense of who people are. And it's because joint practices have begun mm -hmm. for the Eagles. Yes. They're with the Patriots this week. Mm -hmm. Later today, Eagles, Patriots at Lincoln Financial. What do you think about this one? Uh, the game itself or how the joints have been going? How the joints. Let's start there. I think, the the I think it's been encouraging signs for the Eagles because not that you can completely chalk up who's winning the joints, but I think <laughs> that there's been a lot more aggression brought by Philly. And, you know, once you get a chance to go up against, they've had a preseason game, but like we're saying, the joints sort of way more. Uh, I think you can send messages in a lot of those things. And I think that there's been times that they've been more physical and sometimes their talent has outshined the Patriots who just spent a billion dollars on guys to go and get. Not that all of them have, have been available as well. Um, but I think it's definitely some encouraging signs. Now, does it translate to this game or what they'll be in this entire 2021 season? Who knows? But in the meantime, and right here and now, I think that they've been having an edge over them in the categories that matter. My favorite part, I think, of joint practices are the relationships you can build across teams, right? So like Nelson Aguilar on the Patriots now obviously has relationships with all the Eagles guys. Same thing with Jalen Mills. Exactly. And so I love that kind of like cross. Yeah. Well, these two organizations always find a way of coming back to each other as well. It is true. They do have a lot of ties. I was going to say cross-pollination. I'm not really sure why. why I think it so still weird. works. Like Bill Belichick was yeah. talking with Zach Ertz and like, oh, he's trying to recruit him. So just that? like, yeah. Is that tampering? <laughs> I, don't think, I think guys are allowed to have a conversation. I don't know. <laughs> is that tampering? That, Stay away from him. You're tampering. You're tampering. It's I, like being at like the delivery room at a hospital with like a future. With like, hey, you're tampering. Get you're out. talking to your son. Stop. You're tampering. Get out. Relax. Um, I don't know. It feels like a touchy. The legal subject. tampering period and the illegal tampering period. It's a thing. I think childbirth counts as the legal tampering. I don't. Period. I don't know why we had to bring that into it. <laughs> the most extreme example. That's how oh. it has to go. All right. Well, so I think the Eagles are doing well is my main point. My favorite part was Jalen Hurts talking about Cam Newton. Did you see the soundbite? I don't think I did. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't to me, I'm, I'm going to the nth degree of this one, but he yeah. basically was like, oh, there's a lot to learn from him. Like he's an older athlete, like, you know, this whole thing, mm -hmm. but the way he said it and the way it like came out on Twitter was like, he's old. And I was like, wow, trash Seasoned. talking disguised well, in praise. Hurts is one of those guys that like grew up watching Cam though. And that you can't fight that fact of being like I like literally based on a timeline. Mm -hmm. If you grew up watching a player, it's going to be I grow. It's the same thing with Brady playing with you know guys that were growing up in diapers when he was first yes. in the league. Yes. However, Brady is forty three. Cam is thirty two. Yes, but so I'm saying it's the same method of thinking where guys grow up in a certain period, and obviously. Babies aren't going to remember Tom Brady playing in his first Super Bowl, but guys that are 13, 14 years right. old, like Hertz was when Cam was still, you know, on the scene and winning rookie of the year and then eventually an MVP is a whole different thing. I just think you're acknowledging the time space continuum. I you're acknowledging time, Alex. You're acknowledging time. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a dig. If it's I'll, facts. I want it to be a dig. Why? You need some hot take. I need something to talk about. out of this? No. That's I, not the place to get your hot takery, though. Why not? In a press conference? Where else are you but, supposed to But, I mean, between these two teams, like, what, do you think they have beef? No. No, 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 I'm no. sure Hurts no. idolizes him. That's uh, what I'm getting at. I would agree. But I think there's, like, it's like, you know when someone compliments you and you're like, no. ooh, was, <laughs> no one ever does that? <laughs> no. Got it. When they're like, okay, Logan. 
Yeah. Your hair looks good today. Well, thank you. I take a lot of pride in it. A lot of pomade. But see, if I say today, you're like, wait a second. Did today. it not look Did good it? yesterday? Yes. Mm -hmm. What it like, you know, you're clearly not as insecure as I am. Because okay. you, you hear a compliment. You got to go like, wait, he called me an older athlete. Does he think yeah. I'm old? Cam doesn't think that way. Does he though. think I'm washed up? Cam doesn't think that way. It's a former MVP. It'd be one thing if it was like a guy that's been a fringe player forever. You can't win MVPs and like, even though like he was not signed for long periods of time, these guys' confidence and egos are on a whole different level. Mm. They don't think about the subtleties of that. Mm. Now, if he were to not be the starter at some point this season, that's a big ego hit. That's a completely different thing. He's not psychoanalyzing everywhere. And also, the conversations that they probably had on the field are much different than the ones that he's going to... Was he going to go read the transcript of a press conference from Jalen Hurts? I did send it to him. I DM'd You did? To, yeah, I was like, he's not going to look at what he said. He's got a lot going on. I have a check mark. Maybe he'll see it. If he's on scene, I would be very impressed. But you're really looking for something here, huh? Just pulling at strings. There we go. Maybe yeah. if there's something out of the game. Yeah. Now, if they don't like handshake each other after the game, maybe you got something. Oh, I'm going to watch every minute of this preseason game Something now. tells me they won't. Something, <laughs> they're not allowed to. It's COVID. But there's been some guys doing it anyway, though. Well, yeah. See, if they don't, though, plays into my thoughts. She's always right. Oh, can I have that on a t-shirt? She's Barely. always right. Yep. How about that? So that that's, how, that's how joints have been going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in this glory for a minute here, Logan. Okay. I was saying on. it sarcastically, but you can, yeah, you can really. I didn't hear it sarcastically. I didn't launch into that. La, 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 la. The transcript doesn't show that. Transcript is not sarcastic. Yeah. Jalen Hurts and Cam Newton hate each other. You heard it here first. Sports Extra Podcast. You know it. Breaking news. How about us? Logan would like his 27 second take to make a I'm going first. recurrence. And yeah. here's the thing. Yep. He has promised us. Mm -hmm. I'm making promises for you that it'll be 27 seconds this week. You heard it here first. It might even go under. Oh, all right, Tyler. We're going to have to give him that five second countdown because he got really upset when we didn't do it. He's not going to get a countdown. Oh, you this just is, have to this know. This is his promise. You just have to know. He has to do it. Okay. All right, Logan. Your 27 seconds starts right now. Starting with the 70s, ranking the five last decades of music. It goes as follows. The 90s, then the 70s, the 80s, 2000s, and 2010s. Might be a hot take, but the 2010s, we've gone progressively worse in music as times go on. Yes, I'm that old man. I'm 26 years old, but I am currently old at the moment, and I'm on this bridge, and the 70s doesn't get the love that it deserves, but the 90s is the top king, and I will go to bat for this tonight on air oh. boom wow you just can't That's talk about growth. sports that was pretty good um i got really nervous when you were ranking that you were going worst to first and i was like what is worst happening to first like five four three two one no so what is it about the, the 70s the 70s doesn't get the acknowledgement because you know how music nowadays is just copied off of a lot of older times oh, a yeah. lot of it is from the 70s oh, as yeah. well and also just has a different groove to it but the 90s reigns supreme what genre terms of originality what genre of the 90s though Ooh, well, you want me to go with like punk like you want me to go is with, it like, alternative music yeah is that what you like oh pop alternative like third eye blind wow you know, gotta have in there we actually can be friends this that's not a hot take to be like third eye blind is good no 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 no. but this is the first thing i think we've agreed on because i thought you were gonna go like 90s <laughs> hip-hop or something and i'm like no well that's great as well but i mean if you uh, blink 182 i know a lot of that was in the 2000s mm. as well foo mm. fighters nirvana yeah nirvana's great all of it all on this this class red hot chili peppers oasis 
I want. You're gonna be the one that saves me. <laughs> '90s music, yes. I wanted to learn how to play guitar simply to um, play "Smells Like Teenage Spirit." So I get it. Yeah, That's, I can see it. I the full transformation. Now on the other end of the spectrum, the take also goes as follows because the 2010s look. Nothing I go back to Justin it too Bieber. because there was at a certain point in my life that you know you have certain memories associated with listening to certain songs. But I always go back. Like if you're on a road trip. And somebody doesn't include a mix of 70s and 90s in there. What are you doing? And I threw the 80s in there because they're great. I just don't always go back to it. Fair. This is all just based on flavor and taste. Because I think a lot of people would even say that the 80s are probably the best genre of music in their opinion. 90s, then 80s, then 70s for me. So we can both agree that 90s is the best. Yeah. I think it's- 2000s is great as well, but I just don't think top to bottom that it had the, the stars, the symbolism. A lot of, well, a lot of one-hit wonders in there. I'm also just- Wasn't New Kids on the Block in the 90s as well? Yes. If I not so. late 80s, aren't they kind of old? We'll give it to the 90s. We'll give it to the 90s. That night, in sync, Backstreet Boys. But I am going thing. to go on. I think I'm going to create a poll mm. of what people feel is. But I want people to rank them. I don't want people to just be like, what's the best genre? Because yeah, how do we that's, do that? that's only half the take. Mm. I might just tweet it out have and ask people, people to respond. rank and have Fair. people rank them. But the poll is always better. All right. or, or you could just make a poll and the results are the people's ranks of the. Oh, that's a good point. But then I'd have to make an option for every single listing, though, right? Because then the poll would be, what would be the best genre of music? Unless I make two of them and then be like, and also rank these. Now it's getting more complicated than it has to be. Yeah, Maybe I send Logan's going to send a that. singular tweet and get us two to respond. This is important. I like it. It's good research. And it also makes me feel old, like I said, because it's like, ah, kids these days, they don't know music. I've often thought 26, super old. Yeah. Again, going back to we are talking about Gary Gilliam, it's it's about weighing out life and experiences and not actually age. Agreed. I've clearly seen a lot. Mm, I often Musically. Think, that, think that about you. <laughs> I say, Logan, he's lived Logan, a lot of life. Logan, that veteran, that guy. He has lived a lot of life, that guy. I think that we could have because uh, Fink, sneaky big music guy. Oh, Sneaky big music guy. I think this Fink. could be a really passionate subject for him. If somebody's in for him, I'm going to lose my mind. Tonight? Yeah. All right. Well, you better be in. What <laughs> are you on vacation or something? No, we got to talk music. He's not in tonight. Oh, break. Well, I'm gonna call him and he's gonna come in. All right, just for you. <laughs> I can't tell him why he's coming in, but you're coming in. Is this your phone? <laughs> Hello. Think? Hello. Okay, maybe I don't know your number. <laughs> yeah, he he wouldn't give that to you. Maybe I do. Send him a little text. All right, we'll find I out. Need you. Tune in to ABC 27. See if Logan gets his answer. Um, Tyler, do you have any parting thoughts for us Tough here? Tough to be that one. That was just so second take. I'm just going to skip my take, and I'm just going to put out the phrase saying that MLB blackouts are incredibly stupid. They've been for a while. That's all I need to say. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Um, we've been out of the studio with this grouping of people for yes. a very long time. I'm 90% sure like six episodes ago, that was Tyler's take. He's well, it's still, still, it's still he's here. still it mad about well, it's it. Also, it's it's, take it's also ironic because they also have like the most ways of watching things. It's true. So like NFL, <laughs> like Sunday Ticket hasn't translated past like direct TV. Like yeah. MLB has like five that you can watch like on your tablet and on like all YouTube, these different ways, but yeah. there's still the blackouts <laughs> and it's still a glaring problem. It is funny. You think everybody would figure all these things out by this point and just where we are as a society and being able to access everything. Here's the deal. They're making so much money. They don't care. They do not care. It's a fair point. So it's like, it's a problem that we all deal with. And yet they're like, the common people we're getting paid. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You got one. Do I have one? Mm, My take for the week. (laughs) Am I going to be the only one with the take? No, I know it was, 
You don't have one? No, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. Okay. All right, Marshawn, <laughs> relax. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Is there a general topic of something? Like maybe that doesn't mean 27 seconds. Anything on your mind? Anything on my mind. What's going on over there? Uh, nothing. A therapist? It's completely empty. Okay. <laughs> completely blank. Seems like a solid way to end the show though too. Just uh, happy to be here. You're just happy to be here. No, I just um, really need football season to start so I stop spending my money on Amazon. for making it to the end of the episode. If you've gotten this far, you clearly must like what you've heard. So could you subscribe, rate the show, and leave us a review?